What are we afraid of? What causes us anxiety? Before COVID-19, it was our finances, the, the money coming in, and how much money we didn't have at the end of the month. Or maybe it wasn't finances for you or money, but maybe it's relationships, that your relationships have gone bad or gone sour and you're concerned about them. Or maybe you don't have any relationships and you're looking for some positive relationships. Maybe for others of you, it's your health. You're in a place where your health is not in a good place or you're grieving it and it's causing you anxiety. Some people, they just don't like large events. They think about going to a concert or to a game or something like that and being in a crowd and their anxiety level just increases, their heart rate increases, and they just rather be at home under a blanket watching Netflix. Others of you, your greatest fear and thing that causes you anxiety is this right here, public speaking. As a matter of fact, it's Really easy right now because the public isn't even here. It's way out there, but it still causes us anxiety. And so those are some of the things that caused us anxiety before COVID-19. And well, what are some of the things that caused us anxiety during COVID-19? Guess what? It's the same things. We're still anxious and fearful about our finances. As a matter of fact, for many of us, it's ramped up. Our fearfulness and our anxiety and anxiousness have ramped up another level or two because maybe we've lost our job or we're afraid that we're going to lose our job. And so we just don't quite know what to do with our financial situation. Others of you, you're anxious about the health situation. You're anxious about whether you have COVID-19 or whether someone you know has it, has it. And, uh, and if some of you have been in a health situation during this season and you haven't been able to go to the hospital with your loved one and there's been anxiety and fear related to that, it's also impacted our relationships. It's kind of highlighted the good and the bad of our relationships during this time because we've been sequestered together. And so in that moment, our anxiety kind of raises up when there's tension in our relationships. And I know now as we begin to get out of COVID-19 and begin to phase into whatever the new normal is going to be like, there's fear and anxiety raising in people's hearts and in their minds. And people are expressing this fear and this anxiety as we begin to move forward. And some of the statistics that are coming out as people are talking about it and thinking about it are, are honestly are kind of eye-opening to me. I, I I didn't think about some of these things being this anxious for people, that they would have this type of level of fear and anxiety. And so it's made me kind of just step back and think about some of the things in my life, and especially as a pastor and a leader of a group that's wanting to bring people back together in large events. It tells us 78% of people right now wished that gyms would stay closed. Listen, I'm someone that maybe you can't tell, but I like going to the gym, and so I'm ready for the gym to be open. 82% of people tell us that they're not even ready to go back to the movies. Now, maybe that's because they've been binge-watching so much Netflix and Prime and Disney Plus that they're tired of watching stuff. But in reality, it's that idea of they really don't even want someone sitting next to them that they don't know. It's the middle seat on the airplane complex, the fear and an anxiety. 
Matter of fact, even 80% of people are saying that they have a hesitance to sit in a restaurant and to eat a meal cooked by someone else that they don't know. Maybe that's one of the beautiful things about being in a smaller town is even most of the restaurants that we go to, we know the people that's cooking the food. So here we can maybe go out and not have that anxiety. But a lot of people are struggling with being around others in a crowd. Even recently, I saw something where over 70% say that they will not attend a major sporting event in this next year until there is a vaccine. That's just unfathomable to me to watch Major League Baseball or football games, college football games, and maybe even high school games where people are not in the stands and cheering on the teams and cheering on the kids that they support and they love because of a fear and an anxiety over COVID-19. Now, it's a real fear, and it's a real anxiety, but how much this fear and anxiety has kind of stopped us and make us pause and, and even ask the question, where does this fear and anxiety come from? There's a growing fear even of receiving or getting COVID-19. Each week, the percentages rise of the fear level within people that they might be the next one or someone in their family might be next getting COVID. So as we deal with our anxiety, I want to this morning share with you a story of when Jesus' disciples were anxious and afraid and they asked him for help. What did he do and why did he do it in the way that he did it in that moment? I think this is a perfect example of Jesus stepping into our anxiety and our fear and, and to be able to, to, Jesus even asked the question while they were Together, And he said, why are you afraid? That's our question this morning. Why are you afraid? What are you anxious about? These disciples were in the boat with Jesus and a storm had come up around them and they were in the boat and in the midst of the storm, they began to look at the wind and began to look at the waves and anxiety had risen up with inside of them and they literally cried out, Lord, save us. And Jesus steps in and says, why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. Why are you afraid? So this morning, that's our question. Why are you afraid and why are you anxious? If you have your Bibles, turn with me in Matthew chapter 8. And as you turn there, I want to kind of give you a little bit of background to the story. Here in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verses 18 through 22, we see a story here before our story where Jesus is walking along with his disciples and two men walk up to Jesus and they have questions for him. Now these questions are good questions because these are two men who have seen Jesus and heard the stories and are actually coming to Jesus with the desire to be a disciple of his. And they ask him the questions of Jesus, what do we need to do to become a disciple of yours? And basically what Jesus says is, hey, you need to, to count the cost and you need to give up some things in your life. And just when I call you, you need to immediately follow. Don't worry about other, all the other things of life. I will take care of them. They'll be taken care of. But immediately when I call, follow. Well, both of these guys had other things and they began to even say, hey, I have things that I need to get in order. I need to get my finances in order. I need to get my relationships in order. I need to, to get my stuff together before I follow you. Last week, Whitney, whenever she was 
teaching with us, she said that one of the things that Jesus does consistently is that he shows up and he asks something from us, which to us seems the most inconvenient time. Well, I think that was the case for these two guys, is they had other things that they were doing in life. And so when Jesus offered the call to these two guys to follow him, they began to say and offer up excuses of other things that they had to do. And so they ended up not following Jesus. So if you continue on in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, the story continues. And we see in that that Jesus' disciples, the other 12, are with him. And they've heard this story. And Jesus then immediately walks to a boat and gets in it. And so here the author of Matthew, Matthew the Apostle, gives us a clear distinction in discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus is that these two men previously had asked questions and they wanted to be followers of Jesus, but they thought that they had to get everything together and everything had to be right so that they could follow him. Well, Jesus had called these other disciples in the past, and whenever he called them, they'd been fishing or they'd been tax collecting, they'd been other stuff, and they heard the call of Jesus and they said, I'm in, and they dropped their nets, they dropped the money, literally, and began to follow Jesus. That's what discipleship is. That's what it means to follow Jesus, that whenever he calls, we drop the other things and follow him. And so here in this story in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew gives us a distinctiveness of what it means to be a follower of his. And so these disciples get in the boat with Jesus and they begin to cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, one of the things about the Sea of Galilee Galilee that we know is there's mountains on the east and on the west. And one of the things about these mountain ranges is that it's very common for strong winds to come over the east side of the mountains down into the valley of the Sea of Galilee and literally have huge storms and shake the sea. And so that's about that's about what is to happen here in our story here is Jesus and his disciples, they get into a boat and they push off and they begin to row to the other side. And in the midst of all this, a storm rises up. But before the storm, we get to see the humanity of Jesus, and Jesus is is allowing his disciples to do what they do, which is they're fishermen. They know this, and so he gets he knows what they know what it is to get across the Sea of Galilee, and so he trusts them, and he gets into the front of the boat and just begins to sleep and to rest. And we see the humanness of Jesus in the story. So as they're getting across, all of a sudden a storm rises up, and in verse. 23 and verse 24, it says this. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. And suddenly a fierce storm. Literally, the word there is seismos, which is seismological. We get the word earthquake. So this was a serious earthquake-sized storm that struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I heard a pastor this week say that he has 51% faith. If he has 51% faith that God might do something or this is God's idea, he's going to move forward. And I imagine that this is the disciples' deal too here is they had in that moment of stepping into the boat with Jesus, Jesus just stepped into the boat and they followed and they didn't know where they were going or why they were going there, but they had this 51% faith. They had enough faith in that moment and who Jesus was to step forward into the boat. And in the midst of their step of faith, all of a sudden, a storm arose. Does that sound like your life? 
that God's called you to do something or you sense that God's called you to do something and you've flushed out, you've experienced that moment of 51% faith and you're like, I don't know where we're going or what we're doing, God, but, but I'm going to step into the boat with you. So here's the disciples' experience with Jesus. They get into the boat and all of a sudden a, an earthquake-sized storm begins to happen. Well, I think right now we're in the midst of an earthquake type storm. The earth is literally shaking at its foundation and people are grasping on to anything and everything that they can possibly hold on to. And if it's not God, it will literally disappear before them because it's just like a ghost. It disappears. Here in the midst of this storm, the disciples are reaching and they're grabbing. They're trying to find something. Fear and anxiety begins to rise up with inside of them. Look at verse 25. The disciples went and they woke Jesus up, shouting, Lord, save us. Now, this is language of great anxiety. Lord, save us. Why? Because we are going to drown. It wasn't a question. It was an exclamation point. There is no doubt, Jesus, if you don't get up and save us, we are going to drown. And some of us feel that way right now. We're grasping on in the midst of this COVID and we're wanting something to bring security. But everything that we've grabbed onto, whether it's our finances, whether it's our health, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our job, whether it's whatever it may be, all of those things are good. But if Jesus is not at the center of them, if Jesus is not the foundation, we will not experience the calm that Jesus showed the disciples in the midst of the storm. If these guys had just gone over and checked Jesus' pulse, they would have realized that here is Jesus. He is calm. If anyone understands the storm and what's going on, it's Jesus. If they had just walked over to him and, and watched him for a second and realized, hey, listen, Jesus is asleep. Jesus is calm. Jesus has some peace in the midst of this. Maybe we should experience, maybe we should ask for some peace and calm as well, but no. They didn't focus on what Jesus was doing. They focused on what Jesus wasn't doing. They had an expectation and anticipation for how Jesus would respond for them in the storm. They began to focus on the wind and the waves and the the boat was shaking and moving back and forth. And they expected that Jesus would wake up from his slumber and respond to their immediate need. And when he did it, they got up and they shook him. How about you? Do you ever feel that way? God, listen, do you understand the storm of my life right now? Do you understand that everything that I thought brought foundation to my life is literally shaking around me? And I'm reaching out for all of this stuff that I thought would bring me purpose and would bring meaning to my life, and it's gone. And Jesus, I anticipate and I expect you to do what I ask you to do, and you're not doing it in the way that I want. And so we think that he's asleep at the wheel. And Jesus is what he's really saying is, listen, I'm in charge of the boat. But even more importantly, I'm in charge of the storm. Just trust me. Trust me that I got this. But our natural human tendency is to cry out, Lord, save me. I thought you knew that I trusted you. I got in the boat with you. What are you doing to me? What makes you anxious? What makes you fearful? 
what gives you great anxiety? What are you grasping for? It's not giving you hope and it's not giving you the foundation that you wish for. Here's the good thing. The disciples at least knew who to call on. They at least had an idea that Jesus could be the solution to their problem. He could be the solution to their anxiety and that the fear that they had, they knew that he was a possible answer to their problem. Look at verse 26. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? Literally, the word there for afraid or anxious means timid or fearful. Or listen to this, a small soul. Oh, that's a powerful word. Jesus looked at the disciples in the midst of the storm and he says, why do you have such a small soul? Wow. And look at the next thing that he says. You have so little faith. It's a, you have faith, but it's a small faith because of the, the shrinking, literally the shrinking of your soul, the lack of trust that you have in who I am has shrunk your soul, and so you're not able to allow your faith to operate properly. Therefore, you have little faith, a small faith, because you've displaced your trust. You've looked at the wind and the waves, and your natural mind and your natural logic rationally tells you there's no way I can make it through the storm. But in faith, if you were just to look at me, You would know that I'm in control of the boat and the storm. You have such little faith. This word is a distinct word that Jesus only spoke to his disciples five times in relationship with them. And and it all had to do with his relationship with them and his desire to, to grow their soul and to grow their faith. And so that every time that he asked them this question, literally the word is oleo pistas, the faith of littleness. And so he's saying to them, why does your faith so little? Why is your soul so small? Have you not spent time with me and seen me come to fruition? Have you not seen me been trustworthy every single time? So why in this storm are you afraid? I've shown you how to respond to the storm. Just relax and be calm. Fear and anxiety is Not the absence of faith, but an improperly functioning faith. Why? Here's what I believe. Under anxiety, when we're exhausted and afraid and depressed, we have a tendency to pull out these these old stories. Some are childhood stories or just old stories, and we run to them because they're comfortable. We know them. Even if they're not true, we run to these old stories because we've trusted them And we know them. It's like putting on old clothes that we know. So we pull out under stress and we pull out under anxiety and depression and fear. We pull out these old records or these old 8-tracks and cassettes and MP3s and and TikToks and Insta stories. And we tell the old stories to try to bring comfort to ourselves, and they don't ever do it because they're not true. The true stories are found when we're able to to move our eyes and to move our heart and our mind and our soul away from the storm and away from the wind and the waves and to begin to put our eyes on Jesus and to look at the way that he's responding to the storm, that he's in the boat with us and he's giving us a clue to how we should respond 
to the storm. That's why the gospel of Jesus is good news. He is the good news. That the truth will set you free. That in the midst of the storm, if Jesus is in the boat, you can be calm because he is calm, because he's working to get you to the other side. That there's work to do on the other side. See, this is the thing that the the disciples lost track of. They lost sight of it. Was that when Jesus was in the boat, that he was the Messiah. That he was the anointed one and that he had a mission and a purpose. And that they didn't fully understand and comprehend his mission and purpose yet. But his mission and purpose was to give his life for them so that they could have a relationship with God the Father through his sacrifice on the cross. And so that there was no way that God the Father was going to allow the Messiah, that was going to allow his son to fall short of his mission of accomplishing his mission by a silly little storm. So Jesus wakes up. Why are you afraid? You of so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great calm. Listen, there was already calm in the boat. Jesus was calm. The disciples weren't, but Jesus was. So Jesus, when he got up and he rebuked the storm, all he was doing was sharing with the disciples what was happening within his own soul and how they should have been responding to what the storm was. Is just relax. I've got this. You stepped into the boat. You experienced and you gave over 51% faith and you stepped into the boat and you didn't know what the journey was going to be about. You obviously had no idea that a storm was coming, but here it is. But what you most importantly need to know is that I, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, I'm here in the boat with you. And though it may be seeming like it's an earthquake that is shaking everything it is about, if you will just put your eyes on me, you will see the appropriate response. And that is peace, shalom, calm. Our anxieties raise up and they're natural in the midst of storms. But if we would find our eyesight upon Jesus, we could get our appropriate response. Verse 27, it tells us the disciples were amazed that literally that they had sought after and they had found a deeper understanding of who Jesus was in that moment, this amazement, not like a magic trick, but a deeper understanding. That's like this teacher teaching something and all of a sudden a student gets it and the light bulb goes off and it's like this aha moment. Now I understand why one plus one equals two. The disciples were amazed and they got it. And then look what they got. Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Man, these guys that were Jewish fishermen and Jewish tax collectors, they were getting it. In that moment, Jesus asked the question, why are your souls souls so small? In that moment that they were amazed, their souls opened up and God just poured truth and life into them so that they could experience Calm and freedom because of the truth that Jesus came to set them free, even from the things that they thought would shake them at their very foundation. Even the thought of losing their life, that they could experience calm. 
when Jesus steps into our fears and anxieties and our small faith, he points to who he really is. At this moment, the disciples' souls were enlarged and fed. As Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 26, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The storms of life are going to come. And it's usually at unexpected times to us, but never to God. When you're tempted to focus on the winds and the waves and begin to wonder why God's not doing something, he's not responding the way that we would expect, just step back from the edge and call out to him who can calm the storms, but more importantly, that's in the boat with you, and see that he's not swayed. What I want you to grasp this morning and the question that Jesus asks is, do not be afraid. This here is what I think the disciples learned. The disciples had had enough faith to follow Jesus. But in the midst of the storm, they focused on the wind and the waves. And because they focused on the wind and the waves, they didn't check God's pulse. And their anxiety in that moment shrank their souls and did not allow their faith to operate at full capacity. That what could have happened is when the waves and the wind began and the began to earthquake shake, they could have stepped back and checked God's pulse and said, listen, Jesus' Apple Watch rate is saying that his heart rate is just great. Let's step back. Everything's going to be fine. If they had just checked his reaction to the storm, they would have known how to react. Peace and calm. Even in a storm that's shaking everything we know. For you as well. In a storm that's shaking everything that you know about Jesus, where else would we want to be? Where else would we want to be? If we've experienced that 51% faith and we've stepped into the boat with Jesus and followed him, and in the midst of following him, he's in the boat with us and a storm arises, it may seem like to everyone else and even to us in that moment that it is the most unsafe place for us to be in the midst of the storm because everything is shaking. But if we were to step back from the edge and focus in on the one who brought us into the boat to begin with, it will enlarge our faith, it will enlarge our souls, and it will calm us, and it will relax us, and we'll be able to ask the question, there is, or answer the question, there is no other place I'd rather be than in the boat with Jesus in the midst of the storm. So what makes you feel anxious? What makes you fearful? Allow your faith, allow your soul to be opened up, and allow your faith to grow. Step back from the side of the edge of the boat in the midst of COVID-19. Check the pulse of God. Listen. God is not surprised by COVID-19. He knew this storm was coming. Step back from the edge and quit watching the winds and the waves. Quit watching the media. Quit watching and listening to all the other stuff that's telling you that the world is falling down. And get on our face before him and check his pulse rate. And I guarantee you, Jesus' heart rate will not change. He's calm in the midst of the storm because he knows the ending, and he's got it. He controls the winds and the waves. Why would he be anxious about them? 
let us quarrel up literally next to Jesus in the boat. And maybe it's a time for us to rest and to push pause so that our heart rate can get to the heart rate of Jesus. What makes you anxious? What makes you fearful? The steps that I'm asking you to take today is this. One is, have you ever experienced stepping into the boat with Jesus? Have you ever said, I've got 51% faith. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. I don't know where I'm going or why I'm going, but I'm going to follow Jesus this morning, today. If you've never stepped into the boat with Jesus, is today your day? Listen, I'm going to promise you this. There's going to be storms, and some of those storms are going to be earthquake-like. They will shake you to your core. But I can also promise you that Jesus is in the boat, and he'll never leave you. He'll never leave the boat in the midst of the storm. Also this week, I want you to do this, is I want you to just begin to, to sit back and to spend some time with God and to say, God, what are the things that I'm anxious about? What are the things that I'm fearful about? And just begin to write them down. Name those things and begin to claim them and to pray them out and say, Jesus, these are not of you, and I just, I just want to get rid of them. I can't control them. You do. And, Father, God, I just want to give those things over to you. And then also, finally, I just want you to do this. I want you to begin to understand that Jesus brings peace to our storms through a growing faith. All of us, no matter how long we've been followers of Jesus, no matter how many times we've gotten into the boat upon a call and to follow Jesus, there have been times that there are storms that have come and Jesus didn't respond the way that we anticipated or the way that we thought or expected and we called out to him, Lord, save us, instead of looking at him. And in those moments, what feels like maybe is judgment, you have little faith is actually a teacher teaching his students, I am trustworthy. Trust me. It's not a phrase of condemnation. It's a phrase of discipline. It's a phrase of teaching. So my friends, all of us in the midst of storms, and maybe even in the midst of this one, you've cried out in the midst of earthquake-type shakes in your life and in your foundation. I pray that you would step back from the edge. Look over at Jesus. And take your response from him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this story. For the truths that are in this. That, Father, that we just have to express even just a mustard seed of faith to get into the boat and begin the journey with you. And when we do that, we get to experience quite a ride. Sometimes it's so scary that we cry out, Lord, save us. And other times we just sit down and we just enjoy it. We put our hands up and we say, I can't believe I get to do this with Jesus. Father, I pray that we would see more roller coasters with Jesus than maybe seismic shapes, waves, and earthquakes. Father, I pray that we would, even in those moments, that we would just turn our eyesight to you and trust in you and know that you are taking us on a journey, and you've not left us, and you're the one that called us into the boat, and you're in the boat with us. May we trust you that you will get us to the other side. There's no better place to be than to be in the boat with Jesus. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.